You are Locked On Lions, your daily Detroit Lions podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. And it's a Thursday edition, a crossover Thursday edition of Locked On Lions right here on the Locked On Podcast Network. Matt Derry with you on this Thursday, October 1st into Friday, October 2nd. And we're brought to you by NFL Game Pass. This season, get football on your time with NFL Game Pass. See all the action from every game with full game replays. You can also replay an entire game and catch all of the plays in just 45 minutes with condensed games. Go to NFL.com slash Game Pass to start your free trial today. NFL Game Pass where football never stops. Again, it's Matt Derry. Again, it's Locked On Lions. Lions and Saints coming up Sunday at Ford Field. The Locked On crossover, which we do now every single Thursday. Our guest, Ross Jackson, the host of Locked On Saints, will join me momentarily to talk about injuries, to talk about New Orleans. Saints are in the same spot as the Lions right now. One and two, and not really sure what direction they're going. Uh, started off 1-0, beat Tampa Bay, but have lost their last two. Uh, Raiders and Packers kind of just beat them up, their defense up. And uh, we'll have an injury update on the Saints today, along with the Lions coming up momentarily. Also, the Lions announced the return of J. Ron Curse. Fresh off a three-game suspension, the safety is active. Bit of a surprise as who goes off the roster. We'll tell you about that coming up. And a much-deserved award for the beast, the legend, the goat, none other than Jack Fox. All of that today right here on the podcast. Find us on Twitter at LockedOnLions, at Derry, D-E-R-Y, Derry Speaks, and also the Matt Derry Facebook fan page as well. Hope everybody's having a, a great Thursday, a little bit of rain, a little cold. Uh, I'm on no sleep. I, I spent uh, last night uh, uh, in a grueling ball of uh, frustration uh, watching my uh, local baseball team, the Cleveland Indians, my favorite baseball team, not the local team. The local team here doesn't do anything, but they don't. They lose every year. But uh, the Indians lost last night again, and uh, that's the season for them. So if I don't have a lot, I'm trying to muster up as much energy as I can for the pod um, today. All right, let's get to the news of the day. Let's start with J. Ron Curse. The Lions announcing today that they've re-added the safety they picked up in the offseason uh, as a free agent from Minnesota to the active roster uh, following the completion of his uh, three-game suspension as uh, I think he got a DUI in the offseason. And so he's been reinstated by the NFL. And in a corresponding move, your Detroit Lions have released waved running back Ty Johnson. So Ty Johnson out, J. Ron Curse in. Curse, um, very, very good on special teams, but is a guy that, you know, who knows? Maybe the Lions have plans for its safety. Safety has been a very, very, um, you know, very, very rough spot this year for the Lions. Will Harris has not played well. Deron Harmon has played well. And Tracy Walker's been up and down. So, you know, Corey Unlin said on Tuesday, I think we're all excited for him to be back, energy, everything that he brings. We'll take it one day at a time, blah, blah, blah. We're excited to have him back. Very good special teamer. uh, Can play the gunning spot uh, on special teams. And so here we go. Now, 
Ty Johnson was a six-round pick that got a lot of playing time last year, both as a kick returner and then in the backfield a little bit. Uh, healthy scratch last week. Earlier today, Matt Patricia was asked about Ty Johnson and what's going on with him. And uh, Patricia said, look, uh, you know, we'll have something for you as far as the injury report later on this week. Or And instead today, <laughs> he was released. Now, if he clears waivers, you got to figure Ty Johnson will be back and added to the practice squad. Now, some of you are going to say, wait a minute, the Lions are down to like four running backs. You know, carry uh, on Johnson, um, DeAndre Swift and Adrian Peterson. I'm sorry, three running backs, basically. Well, I would think that Bo Scarborough is going to be activated, too. That's the next move. I'm just not so sure the Lions are ready to announce that yet or, you know, because he spent the first three weeks on the injured reserve. So I would assume Bo Scarborough is going to be up and and healthy soon and active soon and that Ty Johnson will be brought back on the practice squad. So at least for today, the move is to bring J. Ron Curse in, make him active on the roster, uh, and then, you know, see what uh, see where they go with, with the running back position. But I like J. Ron Curse. I, I, I'm interested in seeing what he can bring to the table and how good uh, he can do. Injury-wise, this is interesting. Marcus Davenport practiced yesterday for the Saints. And you're going to hear Ross Jackson coming up talk about Davenport and his importance rushing on the opposite side of Cam Jordan. The defensive end was a former first-round pick. He did not practice today, and the Saints are listing him uh, no practice, elbow, and toe. The bigger story is that Marshawn Lattimore, their best cornerback, missed practice today with a hamstring. Ian Rappaport reported they don't think it's serious, but... Serious enough to put him on the, uh, not even limited, like out of practice today. Uh, the Saints already have had issues with their secondary. They've given up 35.5 points per game the last two weeks. But as Rappaport writes, with such a quick turnaround time, something to watch. Janoris Jenkins is also banged up. He was limited today. Marshawn Lattimore is clearly their best cornerback. So, you know, Michael Thomas practiced. He's going to play Sunday. The Lions have Desmond Trufant two days in a row practicing, so he'll play, you would figure. The question now is, what are they going to do with Jeffrey Okuda? Is Okuda your slot corner? Do they have Okuda, Trufant, and Oruarie on the field at the same time? Because those are really three, all, all three of those guys are outside corners. Or are they rotating and is Okuda out of the lineup? Trufant starts. Oruarie has been their best corner. At least PFF thinks so. So interesting to see how they will rotate the cornerbacks for this weekend. All right, we're going to get you the crossover in a minute. We're going to tell you about Jack Fox as well. i got to first tell you about our friends at Pepsi. Um, I, I love Pepsi. You guys love Pepsi, right? Pepsi's, Pepsi's the best. This football season will be different. Pepsi is here to get you ready for game day, no matter how you watch this season. All right? They're the refreshment you need to power through your game day. Become a member of the League of Football Watchers with Pepsi. These passionate fans are the real generational talent that Pepsi fuels. Because Pepsi isn't made for those who play the game. It's made for those who watch it. Pepsi made for football watching. And you're going to watch the Lions and Saints on Sunday. Grab yourself a couple of ice-cold Pepsis. 
you know, even go to madeforfootballwatching.com to check out the latest football watching content that they have with our friends at Pepsi. Also, Locked on Lions, of course, always talking about Built Bar. Where's my Built Bar wrapper today? Oh, yeah. Come on now, salted caramel. I love the salted caramel. I love the mint brownie Built Bar. It's my lunch. I'm doing a little bit of uh, uh, dieting right now, but I know this. That I can do intermittent fasting and still have a delicious, tasting like candy, but it's only but it's really a protein bar, built bar. They're amazing. Caramel brownie, cookies and cream, cherry barcia, lemon almond cheesecake, carrot cake, and apple almond crisp are their six new flavors to go with their 12 original flavors. They're all covered in 100% chocolate. They're soft and easy to chew, but most importantly... They're great for the health-conscious guy. Great for keto diet. They're low-calorie, low-sugar, high in protein. You can get the Peanut Butter Built Bar, all right? It's only 180 calories, 19 grams of protein, 5 grams of sugar, 5 grams of net carbs. You get the fiber in there as well. It is fantastic. I love Built Bar. You go to the website now, builtbar.com, B-U-I-L-T bar.com. Use the promo code LOCKDOWN. You'll get $10 off your next order. Use promo code LOCKDOWN for $10 off at builtbar.com. How about this for your Detroit Lions? This is, uh, I wouldn't say it's major, but it's 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 pretty cool. And it's not something that I think anybody uh, uh, knew and I didn't realize. But Jack Fox, yes, the GOAT, greatest punter of all time is the first Detroit Lion ever to win Special Teams Player of the Month. It happened for the month of September. Fox wins the award. First time an NFC punter has won the award in the first month since Chris Cluey, I believe with the Vikings, in 2005. Fox, through four games, through three games, currently leads all NFL punters with an average of 53.1 yards per punt, a net average of 51.1. Okay, Uh, seven of his 13 punts have been down inside the 20, while Detroit has allowed just six total punt return yards all year. Dude's averaging 53 a punt. (laughs) Unbelievable. So here's Matt Prater, NFC Special Teams Player of the Week. Jack Fox, NFC Special Teams Player of the Month. Congratulations to Jack Fox. What a pickup by Bob Quinn. He has been awesome. It's time to do the Lockdown Crossover Thursday. All right, everybody. It is Thursday, after all, which at the Locked On NFL channel here at Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day means only one thing. It means that it is Thursday crossover time. The New Orleans Saints traveling to take on the Detroit Lions here in week four. I've got myself, Ross Jackson, at Ross Jackson Nola on Twitter, and my good friend Matt Derry at Derry Speaks on Twitter. That's D-E-R-Y. Matt, always a pleasure to talk to you, man. Looking forward to this game this weekend. You as well, my friend. It uh, should be interesting. Two one and two teams, not really knowing where they are right now, so that there's a lot of intrigue mm-hmm. to this one. Yeah, and there's always a lot of fireworks between these two teams. Obviously, we both remember the last time these two teams met. That score ran up quickly in the Superdome, and uh, we finally get one in Detroit this time. Yeah, you know, there's been a lot of uh, classic moments there at the Superdome. Uh, a Lions loss in the playoffs. Uh, Matthew Stafford beating the Saints. Late season a couple of years ago, and he did the Ray Lewis dance uh, afterwards. Yep. <laughs> so there's always there's always something brewing between these two teams, and just like last week, where I thought it'd be a high scoring game for the for the Lions in Arizona, I feel the same way about this one. I know that we got plenty of time to talk about it, but 
I see I see two defenses that are going to have some issues uh, doing some tackling mm-hmm. this Sunday. Yeah, and that's kind of where I want to start because the Saints defense has been quite a concern, obviously, so far here this season. And one of the things that they've struggled against, one of the elements that they've struggled against in particular, has been defending the tight end. Of course, the Detroit Lions having TJ Hawkinson and Jesse James out there. First of all, how are those two tight ends doing so far this season? And do you expect them to be a big part of the game plan here Sunday against the Saints? I do. Um, you know, they, they signed Jesse James before they drafted TJ Hawkinson thinking that mm-hmm. he would be a, a nice target for Matthew Stafford. And to be quite honest, going back to last season, he's been a non-factor. All of a sudden, week three last week against Arizona, he blows mm-hmm. up. I mean, he should have had two touchdowns. Stafford missed him on a back back end zone throw where he was uh, cutting across the uh, to the right corner. He was alone. He should have had two touchdowns. Uh, T.J. Hawkinson is, is certainly a, uh, a, you know, a draft pick that um, you know, you'd figure by now would be more in the mix and better, but has had his moments where he catches the football, creates some space, and is a downfield target. Um, you know, with, with the way, and I watched a lot of the game, obviously the Saints game this weekend, it being nationally mm-hmm. televised, you know, they had issues with Sternberger and some others. So, yeah, I would expect the tight ends to, to certainly be in the mix and, and for Matthew Stafford to look for both those guys because, you know, Hawkinson's the top 10 pick. James is getting about $5 million a year. You use what right. you got, you know. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. And the talent over on the Detroit Lions offense doesn't stop there. We also watch Marshawn Lattimore, the Saints' top cover corner, 158.3 passer rating when targeted so far this season. He has had a bit of a reputation for starting off slow. If he remains slow, he could end up running into some issues here in Week 4 with a pair of talented wide receivers. But Kenny Galladay coming off of injury uh, this week here, what's the expectation sort of for him as we start to embark upon the land of practice participation reports and injury reports uh, as we move forward. What is it that Saints fans should be watching for? Well, I, I think certainly the strength of this football team on both sides of the ball is is the wide receiver core. Uh, they've got mm-hmm. five guys they are very comfortable with. Kenny Galladay is a stud. He's going to get paid this offseason, likely with the Lions. that They, they can't let him go. Uh, but he's, right. he's a top 10 wide receiver. Marvin Jones, solid veteran, contract year two, and, and I think is somebody that is always an old reliable, had a couple of really big plays Last Sunday in the fourth quarter, that enabled the Lions to win. Uh, Quintez Cephas, their fifth-round pick they love, mm-hmm. he's been good. Danny is always solid as a slot guy. And then Jamal Agnew, a converted cornerback, now turned wide right. receiver that they use a lot in motion and with speed. So that they're really the strength of this team, if you want to talk about the deepest part of the team and, and, and position group and room, is that wide receiver room. So, uh, you know, Galladay and I watched Janoris Jenkins struggle Sunday. You, you got to figure anytime they see Galladay and man coverage against Jenkins, they're going to try to go with go with that. I would think. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, look these the the corners for the Saints have performed well. Particularly, Zenoris Jenkins has performed well, but the penalties have been an issue for him. Marshawn Lattimore has been struggling quite a bit, and then we're starting to see you know some issues with safeties and things like that. But the Saints having some uh, some big issues right now in the pass defense, which is something that we thought we wouldn't see this season from them because we expected that secondary to be a strength. So we'll look forward to see if they're going to be able to turn that around. But one of the other spots that was supposed to be a strength for the Saints has been their pass rush. So far, only seven sacks on the season, which is low for last year's numbers, but they're going to be matching up with uh, the Detroit Lions and Matthew Stafford, who's been sacked nine times so far this season. And quite considerably, I mean, four times on third down, and I believe it's four or five times as well in the fourth quarter. What is it that happens with the sacks? Is this a a sense of uh, Matt Stafford holding the ball too long, or is this an offensive line issue? 
No, I think it's Stafford. And, and look, he's he's tremendous. He's a top 10 quarterback himself, top 12, you could argue. Led the mm-hmm. team down the field through a beauty of a, of a deep ball to Marvin Hall that, sh- that would have been the, go- the go-ahead touchdown with about a minute and a half, right. two minutes to go, got called back, but he didn't panic. Let him down the field. They got the game-winning field goal, and they beat Arizona. But Ross is a great, great observation by you. He has held the ball too long in some big, big spots in games. Uh, end of the first half against Green Bay two weeks ago, and for some odd reason, he takes a sack inside his own five-yard line. Packers call timeout, and you're punting out of your own end zone. If he just gets out of the pocket, which he was for a split second, and throws it away, you're saving yourself 10, 15 yards. Right. Took a bad sack in the fourth quarter the other day against Arizona, too, where he held the ball way too long. So, you know... You look at it, you go, yeah, there's been some some movement around the offensive line due to injury. Joe Dahl, the left guard's out. Uh, Halapulavati Vitae has been out, although he started at guard last week. He was supposed to be the right tackle. So they've moved some guys around. they got some rookies playing like Jonah Jackson. But if you want to talk about strengths of the O-line, Frank Ragnow, the center, has been great. Uh, and yeah. Taylor Decker, the left tackle, has been good. So I would, if, if I'm the Saints, I'm moving Cam Jordan over to that left side and, and having him go after that right side of the Lions offensive line. Yeah, yeah, and that's where he'll he'll play for the most part, especially if Marcus Davenport is healthy and ready to go here this week, which would be something that would certainly be very helpful for the Saints and their pass rushing woes so far. Uh, to go over to the Detroit defense here with my last question for you, uh, you know, the Saints right now, the passing game is kind of defending itself in a way because of their sort of limitations of where they're they're throwing the ball. But for the Detroit Lions, 172 yards per game allowed so far over the course of these first three games in rushing yards. So you imagine that the Saints are going to be doing everything that they can to get the run game going or at least the backs. Uh, to be producing from out of the backfield. What is it that you expect to see from this Lions defense to try to counteract where they've struggled and try to keep pace with the Saints here? First two weeks, the Lions defense was an abomination. I mean, it was just Mm -hmm. horrible. And they can't get to the quarterback. They have three sacks in three weeks. That's not a surprise based on how Patricia plays his defense. And, And they just don't have enough off the edge to have anything special. They don't have Cam Jordan on their team. With that being right. said, this past Sunday, here they are facing Kyler Murray and the Cardinals, and you're thinking first one to 40 wins, and they, they shut them out in the fourth quarter. So, you know, it, right. there was an improvement this weekend. Tracy Walker is now playing more over Will Harris at safety. That needs to continue. Jamie Collins mm-hmm. has been manning the middle at linebacker. First time that's happened in three weeks. That needs to continue. So Will Harris, Jared Davis are not playing as much, and to be honest with you, they're better without those guys on the field. Um, Deshaun Hand has been underrated on the interior as a D lineman. Um, mm-hmm. Like I mentioned, Jamie Collins is good, and, and I think Jeff Okuda has gotten better with each game. It's a rookie cornerback you're asking to guard right. some very good football players. You know, DeAndre Hopkins, De- Devontae Adams this week, <laughs> if he's healthy, Michael Thomas. So the defense is better, but now the question's going to be, they, they said after week three, after they won, we heard all the naysayers how bad we are defensively. We're out to prove it. Okay, well, you proved it against the Cardinals. You got three picks of Murray. Mm -hmm. Now do it again this week. Let's see if they do it. Yeah, I'm glad that you mentioned the three picks there, too, because it proved to be an opportunistic defense taking advantage of opportunities there. And Drew Brees, who you imagine is going to make smarter decisions than maybe Kyler Murray made a few times during that game. But with the way that this offense has been playing so far and some of the issues he's had with ball placement and accuracy, the margin for error 
sort of slims down a bit after last week's performance by the Detroit secondary in particular. So you look for them to uh, on the Saints side to clean up as much of that as possible and not generate any of those giveaways to shoot themselves in the foot like we saw the Saints do last week. But I know this has felt very one-sided, me asking Matt a ton of questions <laughs> about the Lions, but don't worry as we roll back here in just a moment. Matt is going to come to me with all of his Saints questions as well as we continue our crossover Thursday here, Locked on Saints, Locked on Lions here on the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. All right, we're back. Matt Derry and Ross Jackson, Locked On Lions, Locked On Saints, the Thursday crossover edition as we get ready for Sunday's game at Ford Field. Both teams coming in at one and two. You know, Ross, everybody talks about Alvin Kamara and Michael Thomas, Drew Brees, and some household names. And of course, Sean Payton has been there for many, many years. Let's start on defense. I mean, giving up 35 and a half points a game over the last two. With some of the guys you mentioned during the first you know, first segment, uh, you know, Cam Jordans, Marshawn Lattimore's of the world, what's going on? Mm-hmm. Why aren't they getting stops? Yeah, it's been a really interesting thing to watch sort of star players not play up to star status. <laughs> and that's been part of what's uh, allowed this Saints defense to struggle as much as it has. I mean, Cam Jordan is coming off of, you know, an offseason surgery. And, you know, a lot of people might argue that, well, if you can't be productive, then you shouldn't be on the field. But there's, you know, the way that players will talk about it all the time is that there comes a point in the rehabilitation process where there is nothing else that you can do aside from get out on the field and figure out what it feels like to play again. And I think that's sort of the process that Cam Jordan is in. And that could mean not seeing Cam Jordan be Cam Jordan for maybe a couple more weeks. We'll see how quickly he can uh, be a part of that. Then, of course, if they get Marcus Davenport back over on the opposite side, having two viable pass rushers, I think that that would be a really good benefit for Cam Jordan as well, or at least for the pass rush, because if Cam Jordan gets double teamed, these other players have to win their one-on-ones, and Marcus Davenport has a better rate of doing uh, such a thing, although he would have a big test over there against Decker over on the left side. And as for Marshawn Lattimore, it's just been focused for him a a lot of times. I mean, you saw him really bite down on a play action with a big 48-yard bootleg to Alan Lazard, and then the touchdown in the end zone last week to Alan Lazard. He was just kind of, I don't want to say he was asleep, but his focus was elsewhere is how I'll say it, as Alan Lazard ran four or five yards past him before he reacted to his crossing route. And as you know, defending a crossing route, if you're late like that, you're done, you're toast, and that ended up being a touchdown. And so we've seen some sort of lapses in focus from uh, Marshawn Lattimore, and we've seen it before is the thing, and we're used to seeing that happen and then him sort of get back on the horse as the season goes along. But you have to wonder how much, you know, a lack of an offseason, lack of a preseason, things like that may factor into how long it takes for him to get back into rhythm. So uh, I think that that has to do with a lot of it. It's really all about execution over on the Saints side, and obviously that's something you want to get corrected here in week four. All right, Ross, uh... You know, you look at where they are. Just what, what's the what's the sense of of urgency at one and two? Certainly beating the Bucks in Week One, which you know, there's a chem, there's no there's not a chemistry problem. I wouldn't think the Saints have all played mm-hmm. together, and so you come off of COVID, you don't have a preseason advantage. Sean Payton, but now two weeks later, you know, they, they sit at one and two. How, is it a bad vibe around the team right now, or what? Are you, what are you sensing? I wouldn't call it a bad vibe, but it's definitely like use the use the the absolute right word. It, it is a sense of urgency. I, I don't think that anyone's in panic mode or anything like that, but it's definitely exactly that. Excuse me for repeating it, but that sense of urgency that says that hey, we need to get this fixed and we need to get this fixed fast because it's only sixteen games. However, it's also 
always 16 games in the season, right? So here they are about to be done already with the opening quarter of the season, which just, by the way, from our perspective, I can't believe how quickly this all feels like it's moving. Yeah. Here we are already talking about a week four matchup. Uh, but, you know, for the Saints, they, they need to get this fixed quickly and they need to answer these questions because, look – Win all you want in the postseason. I mean, in the in the regular season, and, and you know, find your way to the playoffs. Once you get to the playoffs, there's no second chances. There's no we'll fix this next week. These are things that they have to get fixed now and answer these questions before they end up, you know, potentially going for a fourth year, getting bumped out of the playoffs. You don't want to have any question marks going into the postseason here. Ross Jackson with me, locked on Saints uh, on the crossover. What's up with Drew Brees? You know. I, I, I've, you know, we, we've seen the plays where Taysom Hill comes in. I know there's been whispers about, oh, you know, last year Bridgewater was there and all these things. And, of course, he's mm-hmm. going to keep playing. But, boy, oh, boy, you know, the deep ball looks like it's out of the arsenal. And, you know, you mm-hmm. mentioned before about accuracy. How, how, how poorly is he playing? Yeah, it's it's surprising. It's surprising. I mean, uh, you, we have to remember that we're comparing Drew Brees to Drew Brees. And I think that that is something to, that we always sort of have to keep in in the framework is that we're, we're comparing him to somebody who historically is the most accurate quarterback to play the game. And so I think that that has to be taken into context. But even without that, there's a reason for concern around the Saints not being able to execute things that they're usually the most efficient at. I, I, I couldn't care less about the deep ball, honestly. I haven't cared about the deep ball with Drew Brees for the last five years since he last threw it. Like he, That's not really been a part of his arsenal for some time. But now we're talking about him not being willing to push the ball 10, 15 yards down the field and really looking at, you know, I think it was, what, 4.81 air yards per throw so far this season. He's not even getting halfway to a first down on average of his throws. And I think that's the problem is that even despite that, there are still some accurate issues. There's still high throws. There's still throws outside the frame. There's still throws that are late. There's still bad decision-making. All of those things are starting to pop up here, and we certainly saw an improvement from him from week three to week two, and we hope to see one again from week four to week three, but it's just uncomfortable, honestly, to be in this position to where you're talking about Drew Brees that way to where you're saying we're expecting to see an improvement from him because all of these things that he has historically done at, at a, an unmatched rate, he's all of a sudden lacking in. So, Michael, Michael Thomas, do you expect him to play? We know how good Alvin is. And give me a name of somebody on offense that, that's been sneaky good, that Lions fans, they're going to hear his name all day on Sunday. Yeah, no, it's a great question. So I think that for Michael Thomas, I I sort of expect him to play, not because I, I know anything or, or anything like that. It's just the indicator of the added short-term IR, which is three weeks Max, I'm sorry, three weeks minimum to where, you know, you could take a player off of injured reserve. I think that the Saints are actively expecting the possibility of him playing on Sunday. I don't I don't know how to be more any more diplomatic than that. Uh, (laughs) But what it comes down to it is that, you know, if they felt like he was going to miss three games, they would have put him on injured reserve. So his timeline was two to four weeks. He's been out for two weeks. This would be the third week. There is a target date here that I think Michael Thomas is trying to to get back out on the field. So I expect him to do everything he can to get back out on the field, but won't know more until we see practice participation reports and things like that. But it wouldn't be surprising to see, you know, a Wednesday practice of him limited trying to get back out onto the field. Alvin Kamara has been outstanding uh, for only the second receiver in NFL history since 1985, if I remember correctly, to have three receiving touchdowns and three rushing touchdowns for, you know, through the first three games of a season. He's been 
incredible so far this year. But yeah, we talked about Drew Brees. He's got 245 receiving yards. Alvin Kamara does 244 after catch. So with some very quick math there, he's catching the ball one yard beyond the the line of scrimmage so far this season. So obviously that's something that they want to get corrected and sort of try to find ways to put him in more advantageous situations, as well as take advantage of uh, a favorable matchup in the run game here this week, particularly with this offensive line. But as for a name that I would keep an eye out on, and this really comes down to whether or not Jared Cook is going to be uh, ready to play over on the offensive side. Jared Cook uh, had a groin injury that kept him out after only 21 snaps against the Packers. And during that time while he was gone, Adam Troutman, the rookie tight end out of Dayton, he was the third round pick that the Saints traded up to grab. They gave up their entire day three to go up and get the guy. Uh, he's somebody that they immediately slipped into Jared Cook's role. So he would be somebody to keep an eye out on at the tight end position. Even if Jared Cook is out, the Saints still have a weapon there. All right. Uh, you know, I, I, I think the Lions, I'll pick them to win. I, I think they'll do it. I think they, they're at home. I know there's no crowd. Do you sense, Ross, mm-hmm. there's no way the Saints lose three in a row? Or how do you feel about it? Uh, I won't say that there's no way. I mean, you know, they just dropped two for the first two in a row for the first time since 2017. But I do think that they're able to right the ship here. This is the, uh, a good matchup for them in terms of the way that this uh, this Detroit defense has looked for the majority of the season. We'll see if they've really been able to correct things with this Arizona offense. But just in terms of the matchup that they have that's favorable for their running backs in particular. And then we'll see if Michael Thomas is able to get back. I, I do expect this team to get back on the horse here soon and get back on rhythm. And this is a prime game for them to to do it all right brother as always appreciate the time there he is uh love talking to this guy ross jackson host of lockdown saints matt dairy lockdown lions this has been the thursday crossover right here on the lockdown podcast network